Welcome back to the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I'm Jonathan, here with Sean. The Final Four is set. Gonzaga is undefeated. The Pac-12 is back. Conference of Champions. Baylor's in it. Houston out-rebounded Oregon State to death. Uh, yeah, our Final Four is set. We have a Final Four. Yeah, definitely. It was a pretty interesting uh, couple days of games there. Houston and Oregon State ended up being a great game after it looked like a blowout early on. Gonzaga-USC was a blowout the entire game. USC or UCLA over Michigan, and uh, the other one was uh, Baylor over Arkansas. You know, that one was interesting, too. That one looked like it could be trending towards a blowout for a while, but Arkansas stayed in it. Yeah, Arkansas, they stayed in it. Uh Refereeing, let's let's get those officials from that game oh God. out of here. That was not great. Yeah, it, it was brutal. I mean, the UCLA Michigan refs weren't great either. Yeah, uh, I saw Bo Borowski, who officiated that game, is on for the Final Four. So awesome. Uh, yeah, it, it, the officiating's not been the best. Uh, but, hey, we're down to the final 11 officials for this year, and we are down uh, down to four teams left for a national championship. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a fun last week of college basketball. You know, it's a little bittersweet always. You know, you get it crowned a champion, but then that means the season's over. So, uh, you know, it's it's tough, but, you know, I'm excited for the championship. Yeah, start start the start the national championship game. You know, start the next season, next season uh, in September. Just start in September. I would be down, but people are advocating for pushing it back because the NFL is expanding their season. Let's not try to compete with the NFL because that's not going to work. I'll say that now. We'll, we'll compete with. We'll, we'll just do games Monday through Friday. There yeah. we go. Uh, that works to me too, because you know, yeah, no, nobody cares about Thursday night football. Nobody wants to watch the Broncos play the uh, uh, who sucks right now. I have to think about it. Jets. The Eagle. The, the Jets. The Jets. Jets. Broncos. That which I'm pretty sure was a Thursday night match of this year. Nobody wants to watch that. Yeah. Uh, just just start the season in September. Uh, we'll do games. We'll just do each team plays one game a week. We'll have Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday games, and then yeah, we'll just do one game a week. Get, give us some college basketball in September. I would be more than happy with that. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's just get into these games. We're going to go in order of seeds. Uh, so Gonzaga, the number one overall seed, they take care of USC pretty handily. Uh, I thought this was a good matchup for this game to be close. Boy, was I wrong. Or m- Maybe I was right. Maybe this is the closest it's going to get <laughs> here on out. But uh, Gonzaga beats USC 85-66. to This is the same USC team that has dominated UCLA who's a Final Four team. So, very good USC team. Didn't matter. Gonzaga's just, they're too good. Uh, 
Drew Timmy, you know, coming into this game, I thought Evan Mobley could contain him. Clearly not. He had 23. Uh, Jalen Suggs was two assists shy of a triple-double. And Corey Kispert, you know, he, he stunk. Went three of ten from three, three of five from the free-throw line. Uh, just completely deflating his shooting percentages. Uh, it didn't matter, though. Gonzaga just too good. Yeah, Corey Kispert had about as bad of a game efficiency-wise as he's had this season. Probably the worst. And they still won by 19. That's their first-team All-American. You know, that's pretty crazy that you can have your guy, the WCC Player of the Year, your first-team All-American, struggle that badly, and you'll still win by 19. Drew Timmy is obviously fantastic. And I don't think anybody can stop him. You know, you hear Evan Mobley like, man, maybe he could stop him. He can't. He didn't. I don't think anybody else can that they'll play. Cody Riley can't stop him. I can tell you that right now. And then Mark Vidal, I don't think he could stop him either. Mark Vidal might be able to, like, he's, like, strong enough to contain his post moves, but Timmy's, like, also a half foot taller than him. Yeah. So, like, I could, in 6'11", Mark Vidal is 6'5". Yeah, and, like, for this game, USC-Gonzaga, I feel like people try to convince themselves it would be close, but it was just more of what Gonzaga's been all season, domination. This game was never close. Gonzaga started out on a 7-0 run. Drew Timmy stole the ball from Taj E.D. like 12 seconds into the game and drew a foul on Evan Mobley right away. Like, this game is never going to be close. Props to USC. They had a great season. We just haven't seen something like Gonzaga this season in a long time. Yeah. And then, like, for this game, you, I think the, the Mobleys had a good game, once again, uh, offensively at least. Isaiah had 19, Evan had 17. Uh, but the difference is Gonzaga had a major advantage at the guard position, and they took advantage of it, and they took advantage of it again, and then did it again and again. Uh, Tajidi was all right, Drew Peterson, all right, but, like, those are fine players, but they're not Jalen Suggs, who's, you know, some people are trying to argue Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs. I still think it's Cunningham, but like, yeah, give Jalen me Cade. A, he's a stud. Joel Yai, mm-hmm. who is the fourth best player on the team, also pretty good. Uh, Andrew Nimhard was the best player on Florida last year, a Florida team that would have made the NCAA tournament. He's the fifth best player on Gonzaga. Uh, and third best guard on Gonzaga. Corey Kispert is, you know, he, he's he stunk in this game by Corey Kispert standards, but he's still like this team's just extremely deep and yeah, it, there there's no beating Gonzaga. Yeah, and like uh, Sam Bassini tweeted this, and I I didn't really think of it uh, at all this year, like. I knew they were all pretty highly touted guys coming in, but every single bench guy that came into the game, Ben Gregg, Umar Ballo, Dominic Harris, Julian Strother, and Martinez Arlauskas, they were all top 75 recruits, Like, and they don't play, except for one minute late in games. Like, that is absurd that you could have that kind of depth with that kind of talent, and none of them play. Yeah, and those, those are players that could be very good in a few years just – not this year. Uh, but yeah, Gonzaga continues to just roll over teams. Uh, any, any last thoughts on this besides 
Gonzaga is probably going to win the national championship. I mean, I've been saying that all year, but yeah, USC, we definitely saw some shooting regression there from the Trojans, only four for 15, not uh, over 50% like they were the first three games of the tournament. And we'll see what they look like next season. Obviously, Evan Mobley's gone. I'd expect Isaiah Mobley to come back, probably. I don't see him on any draft boards. Drew Peterson is back. Let's see if Isaiah White comes back. Taj Edey, he could come back. Max Agbunk Polo is a guy I think could take a big step next season. But I, I'd expect USC to be pretty active in the transfer portal. Yeah, and they, they were active in the transfer portal last season. I mean, coming into this season, we didn't really – I don't think think of USC that highly touted. Uh, one person predicted USC to win the Pac-12, but uh, out of the Pac-12 media preseason poll. But like Bill I Walton did thought, too. Uh, Bill Bill Walton did. So maybe he was the guy. So uh, Evan Mobley, Isaiah Mobley, both. I think we knew we're going to be great. We didn't expect this type of performance from Tajidi. We didn't expect Drew Peterson to play at the level he did. Isaiah White uh, certainly had a good season. Uh, like we were thinking, okay, maybe it'll be Ethan Anderson show. Ethan Anderson didn't really have a great season, and it didn't really matter. Yeah, he definitely didn't have a great season. I still have a. I still think that he could be very good in the future. And they, uh, Reese Dixon Waters, he was a top 75 recruit in the 2021 or 2022 class. I guess it'd be 2021 technically. But uh, he reclassified this year and kind of just hung around. He didn't really play much. I think he could be really good next season. So that's definitely a name to watch as we start preparing for the offseason. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Gonzaga continues to dominate uh we'll go now to the baylor bears who are in the final four for the first time since 1950 a 71 year gap between final four appearances that's ended they beat arkansas a1 to 72 uh yeah baylor i think they they got out to a big lead early on uh davion mitchell got in foul trouble at kind of allowed Arkansas to hang around in the half. And even in the second half, Arkansas kind of hung around. But at the end of the day, just Baylor was the better team. Uh, you're not going to be able to come back against Baylor as well. They're a very good team playing it from in front. Uh, and Arkansas, they, they put up a good comeback. They gave a good effort. Uh, but at the end of the day, Baylor's just a better team. Yeah, and simply put, Moses Moody didn't do anything. He was 2 for 10 from the field, 0 for 4 from deep. He had some good looks, just didn't hit him. When your best player has 11 points and 7 of them come on free throws, he went 2 for 10, you're not going to win many games that way. They needed Moses Moody to have a better game, and he just didn't. They didn't shoot the ball very well from deep, only 3 for 11. And Baylor, they they shot much better than they had most of the tournament, which is good because they're a great shooting team. Matthew Meyer obviously made some energy plays off the bench. But Davion Mitchell, you and I have been saying this for quite some time. He is Baylor's most important player. Like, maybe not most talented, but he is their most important player. Yeah, I I think I would argue he's their best player right now. Right now. But, like, Jared Butler's the first-team All-American high praise. Uh, 
Jim Nance kept saying he was the Big 12 player of the year? N- not true at all. Uh, hashtag fake news, Jim. Uh, but, yeah, it, I think Davion Mitchell is the key to the success. Defensively, he's just a menace. Like, and he was he was not him t- his typical self in the game yes or two days ago now it was uh, just simply be- because he couldn't be because he was in foul trouble. He but like we both watched that Villanova game. He was a menace, especially in the second half. He was like Justin Moore's not going to score on me. Uh, I'm going to force a bunch of turnovers. He only had two steals. Uh, but he probably forced about, you know, 10 turnovers just himself. So, like, you get that along with just the quickness of his first steps. And, like, I was, I was watching him play defense in this Arkansas game. And Devo Davis is, like, driving full speed down the court. And Davion Mitchell is just backpedaling, staying in front of him. Like, he's... He's that quick defensively. I think his speed is very underrated. Yeah, definitely. And we saw that quick burst getting to the basket multiple times. Watching Devo Davis guard Davion Mitchell and vice versa was fun because I kind of see Devo Davis being the next Davion Mitchell. Like, they have a bunch of the same kinds of skills. I think that in the future, next season, Devo Davis could be in the position that we see Davion Mitchell in right now because he's fantastic. Yeah. Needs to needs to work on shooting threes. Hey, Davion Mitchell shot like 28% from three last season. Yeah, and now he is shooting 45%. So, getting the improved. Gym, getting the gym, Lottery Devo pick. Davis. Devo Davis, get in the gym. 1,000 jump shots a day and work on speed and he'll be a lottery pick. Yeah, lottery pick. I'm in. There we go. So, Davion Mitchell, lottery pick this year. Devo Davis, lottery pick next year. Yeah. Yeah, but you think all in all, the the narrative around Arkansas coming into this game is they they continue to just get down early in games they're not supposed to. Like, and you know, you can kind of get away with it against some of the teams they're playing. You, like Colgate, good team. Jordan Burns, superstar. You can get away with doing that against Colgate. Uh, Texas Tech's not going to overly wow you offensively. You can get down double digits. You can get down double digits Stark and Oral Roberts. Uh, and so long as Max Smith doesn't hit a three to beat you, uh, you can escape with the win. You can't do that against Baylor. Baylor's just a different level of talent. Yeah, getting down by a million points to Baylor to Baylor's just not a good idea. Like I, I Arkansas struggled with that a lot of times this season, especially in the tournament. They got down big, they were able to fight back, but they just exerted too much energy in that comeback probably and they didn't have anything left in the tank late in the game. Yeah. Uh so yeah, Baylor on to the final four. Uh, what what good job Scott Drew has done building this program. Obviously, last year, they probably would have, you know, they were one seed, going to be a one seed last year. You know, assuming they win their region, 
they're probably in the Final Four last year. And for all their players to say, you know what, we're we're coming back. Jared Butler could have gone to the NBA and been he would have gotten drafted, yeah. Yeah, he would have gotten drafted. Uh, unless he decided, hey, I'm just going to go undrafted. But he would have been drafted if he wanted to. Uh, you know, Macy O.T. could have left for the NBA. Uh, Davion Mitchell didn't have nearly in the NBA buzz. But, like, a lot of their players could have left after the season. They all decided, hey, we're coming back for this year. We want to, you know, make history at Baylor. And... They've done so already. They win their first ever Big 12 championship. Uh, now they are advancing to the first Final Four since 1950. Uh, Bill Henderson. I remember was, where I was when I was watching that one. Yeah, I, I can't say I was. Uh, I, I can't say I remember that. Let me just say that. I remember that one like yesterday for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it. Just credit to all these players coming back and, you know, now here Baylor is. They're two games away from the national championship, but even you know, even if they lose to Houston, it'll still be a, a an epic season at Baylor. Yeah, definitely. Just, you know, when you think about Baylor, I feel like most times you think of more of a football school, but I feel like that's starting to change now. And Baylor is really becoming a powerhouse basketball program and is going to stay that way for quite some time because they're hauling in a bunch of good recruits next season, too. Yeah, good recruiting as well. Uh, so Baylor, for first year in the Final Four, maybe next year, you know, you, you get, you know, I think Jared Butler's gone, Macy or uh, Davion Mitchell. Uh, Big career gone. Yeah, the big three are gone. Mark Vile's probably gone. So he, he's going to the NFL. Yeah, uh, Adam Flagler and Matthew Mayer though they're coming back. Yeah, and then you add Kendall Brown, a five-star recruit wing that can really shoot it. Langston Love, uh, I think he's more of a combo guard. He's listed as a shooting guard. I think he can play both. And then Jeremy Sochan. So that's a, a top ten recruiting class in the country. I mean, can't go wrong with that. Probably add some transfers. Yeah. And Jonathan Shamwa Chachua will be back. Yeah. JTT. Flo Thamba. Flo Thamba's in there. How, how many years of eligibility does Flo Thamba have left? I feel like he's been there a while. I think he he's just a junior. There's no way. He's a junior? Oh, my God. So he's, he, he, I feel like he's been there just. Still has two years. Is it too? Yeah. I feel like he's count. I feel like he's been there way too long. Like it doesn't make sense that he's only a junior. Well, I think the thing is he followed right behind Mo Bamba. It's true. So like Flo Thamba was a freshman the year after Mo Bamba was the recruit. Yeah, and uh, another guy Baylor has who hasn't played this season, Dane Danger. I think he has like a seven eight or a seven seven wingspan. He's definitely gonna play next season. You know, can't go wrong with a wingspan that huge. Yeah. So yeah, Baylor Baylor will be good. Arkansas they'll be back in this game. Uh, we mentioned Devo Davis probably gonna come back. Uh, they'll lose Moses unless Texas steals Musselman. 
unless Texas steals Musselman, in which case uh, it, all all bets are off. But you know, Musselman will bring in some more transfers. I think he's get he's probably got a good recruiting class. They'll be back here. Yeah, they'll be back for sure. Yeah, KK Robinson will probably not be hurt the entire season. It's also true. And they've contacted, like, at least 50 transfers. Like, every time I see a transfer list, Arkansas is in it. Yeah. Like, when Fats Russell released his list of half the NCAA, Arkansas was one of them. Yeah. So, there was, like, 30 teams on that list, but Arkansas was one of them. Yeah, they're they're in the final 30. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of team, uh, with, you know, a team that has not faced... Still a top 30 team, other than Texas Tech. The Houston Cougars are going to the Final Four. Uh, Kelvin Sampson has done it. He has rebuilt this Houston program into the dynasty of the American. Yeah, definitely. Kelvin Sampson, Houston took a swing at him, and it was an incredible hire that changed the landscape of the program forever. In their first Final Four since 1984, the uh, Phi Slam Majama team with Hakeem and Clyde Drexler. Obviously, I wasn't alive in 1984, but everybody knows that team without a doubt. And, you know, all the people saying that Kelvin Sampson's a cheater, he's not. You know, he made he made a few too many phone calls. Nowadays, he doesn't even get in trouble for that, and the NCAA threw the book at him. They just did him dirty. Yeah. At the time, those were the rules. I will say that. That's uh, true, but it's not like he was handing out McDonald's bags of 50 grand. Like, let's, he didn't do anything that bad. Yeah. It, it, you know, looking back on it, it's just like, what, what are we doing here? And, you know, I, I, I'm willing to wit, or bet that any, any Indiana fan wishes that Kelvin Sampson was their head coach. Uh, you know, it, Mike, we'll see what Mike Woodson does, but Kelvin Sampson, I think had he gotten a few, got, had he gotten a chance to really, you know, stay at Indiana long-term, he would have, I think, killed it at Indiana because he's, he's a great program builder, uh, you know, and great game planner, had good, Game plan now, obviously not against the one-three-one zone that Oregon State threw out in the second half, but uh, you know, the, with this team, they they knew their roles. They had they were going to play three guards who all could shoot, and they were going to play at all times two bigs who were just going to get every single offensive rebound. They did that, and uh, despite shooting thirty-two percent, they're going to the Final Four. And that's because they got 18 offensive rebounds. Yeah, and I mean, Houston just absolutely, like you said, destroyed on the glass. Oregon State really made a push late. They tied the game, but Quentin Grimes hit a big three to put Houston over top. And it never went back, you know. Oregon Oregon State went 6-for-16 six from deep, kind of not how they had been shooting in the past this season. And, you know, they just – they got down too much early, I feel like. If they didn't get down by 17 at half, I feel like they could have probably won the game, but they just got down by too much. 
They put too much energy into coming back, and they're another team that looked gassed at the end of the game. Houston really struggled from two-point range, only going nine for 30, but that offensive rebounding really saved them in this one. They definitely didn't have their best offensive output in this one, but you know they did just enough to be able to win. Yeah, and you know, I think it, it's kind of the rotation they build all year. Uh, this game, it was Marcus Sasser who had a big game. Quentin Grimes also had a big game. So you, you get two really good games from two of your big three. Uh, Dejan Giroux does what he usually does. He's not necessarily a big scorer. And you get enough offensive rebounds and go against a team that just wasn't going to necessarily put up the kind of scoring mark that you need to beat Houston, you know, that that's enough. So uh, now the Cougars are in the final four, I think, you know, considering Baylor will be by far the best team Houston has faced this year. Uh, and the first time they will have faced a top 25 team since uh, Texas back Tech back in November against Texas Tech. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to necessarily beat great teams to get to the Final Four. You just need to beat the ones that are in your way. And Houston. I feel like for Houston to win, I'm definitely not picking them to – yeah, I'm not picking Houston to win, but Baylor's not a very good rebounding team on the defensive glass. Yeah. I, I think that Houston can make this a rock fight. Like, I think they mm-hmm. keep this game – close uh we'll we'll discuss it a little bit more in detail but yeah i just think at the end of the day baylor the guards are in baylor's favor uh so i i would say houston good good season you're in the final four i'm probably not gonna pick you to beat baylor but we'll 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 touch on that in another podcast Indeed. Uh, so the last of the Final Four teams, probably the best game of the Elite Eight, it's the UCLA Bruins, led by Mick Cronin, 5-0 and in the NCAA tournament. No one in the past two years has more NCAA tournament wins than Mick Cronin. That is a fact. He has the most, five of them. Uh, Mark Few, Scott Drew, Kelvin Sampson, all in four. They're next. But, yeah. Mick Cronin, greatest, greatest head coach in UCLA history. Yeah, it was a, uh, it, you know, it was an ugly game for sure. It was a vintage Mick Cronin game, and UCLA really hasn't played that way all season. They've been more of an offensive-led team, but we saw Mick Cronin get back to his old game in this one, playing tight defense. Michigan just couldn't hit a shot. Like, they had some looks. Franz Wagner had a couple looks. Mike Smith had a good look. The, they just didn't hit him. They couldn't get Hunter Dickinson the ball inside enough. He got fouled and got to the line twice, but missed three free throws. Pretty uncommon for him. They just weren't able to get that that post positioning consistently. Kenneth Nuba drew a couple charges, which may or may not have been charges, actually. Might have been flops. But, you know, UCLA just deed up when they needed to, and they ended up winning. Johnny Juzang at 30 of their 51 points, or 28 of their 51 points. 9 for 14 from the field. If you told me that Jaime Hawkins 
and Jules Bernard would combine for eight points, I would assume that Michigan won by like 20. Yeah. And, you know, for Michigan, they go the final 521 without scoring a field goal. They, they had three points. They were all from the free throw line. So, like, for Michigan, I think they just they gave this game away. Uh, it, th- this is one where you look back, say, tomorrow, the next few days, you're like, how do we lose this game? Because I think Michigan was the better team. You know, I'll say that. They they got some very good, good looks that they've made all season long. They missed. Franz Wagner played horrible. One of ten from the field. Four points. Uh, Probably his worst college game at the wrong time. Yeah, bad bad time to have that. Her Dickinson, like he had, you know, especially against once they got Cody Riley in foul trouble. One, they should have just given the ball to Hunter Dickinson. But even Hunter Dickinson had some like field had some like post touches that right around the basket that you know he probably could have dunked, but like it just rolled off the rim. I remember late in the game, Eli Brooks had like a lane right to the basket and had a layup and, oh, it doesn't go in. So, I mean, it it was just, it was not Michigan's night. They played tight. You know, that looking at their body language, they, they looked a little bit nervous, not playing the free-willing type of style that they had played pretty much the entire season long and you do that in the wrong time in the NCAA tournament that's how you lose they lose and they they're going out yeah it was pretty crazy just to see the way that Michigan who hit every shot against Florida State not be able to hit any shot in this one you know and Hunter Dickinson he's really good obviously but he's still got a ways to go he can't finish with his right hand at all he doesn't even try to use it so he's so like He's easy to prepare for. He's tough to stop even when you prepare for him. But he's going to get to that right shoulder using his left hand. He wants to get space to lay it up with his left or dunk it inside. He just can't use his right hand. Yeah. And I think maybe you know, more impactfully, Franz Wagner, just atrocious. In uh, that last three, you know, it's one thing – it, we're not talking about the Hail Mary that he threw up at the buzzer. We're talking uh, the the one Juwan Howard draws up the beautiful set. He's got Franz Wagner, his best player on the team, wide open for an open three. He misses it like eight feet short. Like it wasn't even close. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't really know how that happened. Like he was wide open. I think he's trying not to put too much on it and just didn't put enough on it. Like if there was a little bit more on that, that's going in. Yeah, and it comes up way short. Uh, yeah, I think Mike Smith didn't really have his best stuff today. He had a shot to actually win the game. And it it looked good. It was right there. Just it was kind of the same shot as uh, Max Aismas had, where it just like it looked good, but it was just a tad bit too much on it. And yeah, I thought that was in. Yeah. 
And then Eli Brooks, though, on the uh, follow of the Franz Wagner air ball, you know, I would have backed that out. I wouldn't have just shot that wildly and just threw it up there. I definitely would have backed that out. I think he thought he had less time than he actually had. Because, like, in reality, he had, like, 10 seconds to... Yeah. Like, he just kind of, like, threw it up and was like, I got scored it, and then it... That obviously didn't work. When, like, he could have dribbled it a little bit, maybe even found, like, Dickinson cutting to the basket. I'd have to call the timeout. Could have called a time. I mean, Michigan had like four of them, so like they, there was a bunch they could have done on that last play, uh, you know, that last stretch, and ultimately they don't get done. And here we go. Uh, UCLA is in the Final Four, uh, and very big for the Pac-12 because uh, this is the league. It gets three Elite Eight teams. But here's the thing. You don't really necessarily remember the Elite Eight teams. You know, and before we we came on here, I didn't ex- exercise. Uh, we didn't exercise. Can you remember the 2016 Elite Eight teams? This is five years ago now. Uh, can you remember, remember them? Uh I'll give the listeners a chance to, if you want to pause uh, now and remember them, it, that go go for it. But the the point is, you don't really remember the Elite Eight teams. Yeah, I remember you, like four of them. You remember who is in the Final Four. You remember who is in the Final Four. You remember that Villanova beat Oklahoma by about four hundred. You remember that Syracuse made a cheeky Final Four run. Like, you remember those types of things. I mean, yeah, Buddy Heald. I wish they won the national championship that year, got to be honest. Yeah. I I just wish they wouldn't have uh, gone out that way. Like, losing by 50 in the Final Fours, it's not great. Yeah, Nova just crushed him, but, you know, and then they went on to play a great national championship game, and Marcus Page's shot, which is probably like a top 10 shot in March Madness history, is forgotten about because probably the best shot in March Madness history got made. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, incredible 2016 title game. Maybe we'll get lucky and get another one of those this year. Would you rather see Gonzaga just win by, like, 30, though, or would you rather see, like, Baylor compete? I'm honestly not sure. Because watching oh, I, Gonzaga just run up... I want to see, see a buzzer beater in the championship. All, every day, all day. Every possession is fun. Yeah. Like, if Gonzaga wins, beats Baylor and UCLA by 30... It it almost you know de- it it makes people say oh this 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 season you know they, they, Gonzaga didn't play anyone on their level which is true but you know if they beat everyone by thirty but if they if they have a challenge against Baylor and they they prevail 
see people are like, well, that was that was the best game of se- of the season. You got the two best teams, and ultimately Gonzaga is just they're the best. So I I think it does more to help Gonzaga's greatness case by at least having a game against Baylor. Yeah, very true. So yeah, Gonzaga they will get UCLA. I don't necessarily think that will be all that close. Like yeah. Let, let's just let's speak facts here. USC dominated UCLA all season long. Uh, they beat UCLA at the buzzer in one game. The other game, they beat them by 22. Uh, and Gonzaga just beat USC by 19. So you know, at the very least, this is going to be a 20-point win. Uh, it, I don't think it's going to be close. I think Drew Timmy... If he wants to, if Mark Few leaves him in the game long enough, you know he could probably go off for 35, 40. Yeah, I, I just don't see a way that Gonzaga doesn't just completely annihilate UCLA. Yeah, this game's not going to be close at all. Gonzaga's in a cruise in the national championship without playing a single close game. Yeah, and yep, maybe you know what? Let's hope we get a good title game. You know, but I just don't see the Final Four being that close between Gonzaga and UCLA. I don't even think the title game will be close. Like, I just think that Gonzaga is just that much better. Yeah. I, I'll say this. It, I'll say this. Baylor can at least do what USC and UCLA can't do. They can score with Gonzaga. I don't know if they can stop them enough, enough to win, but they can score with them. You know, I think Davion Mitchell will give Jalen Suggs kind of you – know, it'll be tough for Jalen Suggs, uh, assuming Davion Mitchell doesn't get in foul trouble. Like, as is, though, my prediction coming into March Madness was Gonzaga over Baylor in the title game. I, I will stick by that. Yeah, I had Gonzaga over Illinois. Obviously, Illinois is not here. Probably should have went Gonzaga-Baylor. I'm sticking with Gonzaga over uh, any everybody. Gonzaga over the field. Uh, and I guess that includes Baylor or Houston in this one. Whoever they play, they will win. Because they haven't had a single close game this entire season, pretty much. If you want to count the West Virginia game as close, I'll give you that. Jalen Suggs missed like half of it, but I'll give you that. Besides that game, they haven't played a single game in single digits all season. Yeah. So, uh, updating on the records here. Uh, so, coming into the weekend, or the Elite Eight, you had a one-game lead. Your one-game lead remains one. Uh, if Go. you followed either one of our picks, you've, you would have gotten three of the four Elite Eight games correctly spread predicted. Uh, I went three and one Oregon state covered for me. Uh, you had Houston. That, that was a bad beat. Yeah, it sucked. Uh, we both had Baylor. Good beat for both of us. Uh, I had USC. I, I'm an idiot. Gonzaga covered easily. Yeah. I mean, come on, what are you doing? Uh, losing. And we both had UCLA covering the seven and a half. They won the game outright, so that that's it. So 
the records total 32 and 27 for you, 31 and 28 for me. Uh, we will do our final four picks a little bit later, but yeah, until then, uh, that is the records update. Let's go. Still ahead. All right. Uh, any, any thoughts on the transfer portal? Uh, we, we've got a, about a bajillion names in there. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of names. Kellen Grady committed to Kentucky. That's a pretty big one. Davidson, star, a top 10 score in Davidson history. Made a YouTube video on that. Check that out if you haven't. A lot. It has like 300 views, which is probably like our most viewed video, so that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I mean, not a lot of commitments yet. Jamari Wheeler went to Ohio State from Penn State. Greg Gant to NC State from Providence today. Al Durham to Providence from Indiana. That's just some of the commitments I can think of right now. But there's going to be a lot in the coming uh, weeks and months leading into next season. So college basketball is going to look a lot different next season. Yeah, it certainly will be a little bit different as the season goes along. Uh, you know, it will stay up to date with some transfer portal stuff. Uh, Texas will probably fill their head coaching position uh, at some point, whether sure. it be Chris Beard or Royal Ivy. I think the latter is probably more likely to happen, but much, much be, more likely. Yeah. I, I would be interested to see if there's the odds out for that. I'm actually going to look for that right now, but I would say Royal Ivy is probably the next head coach at Texas. Yeah, I would guess that too. Yeah. But you know, may, maybe they offer Chris Beard the house and he takes it, but I'd say Royal Ivy, probably the guy. Yeah, that I think I think that'd be a solid hire. He's young. He's a Texas alma mater. A lot of the former players are pushing for it. Hire Royal Ivy and see what happens. Yeah, and you know the thing is, Kevin Durant approves of him, so you get Kevin Durant to sign the, off. The future on Texas head coach. Yeah, future head coach Kevin Durant. Uh, but if you get Royal Ivy, you're, you're probably going to get plenty of time practicing against Kevin Durant if you're a recruit. Because, like, Royal Ivy and him, I think, are, like, they're boys. And Kevin Durant can just go practice at Texas whenever he wants. Yep. So, I think that's uh, good. Uh, the, the odds actually are in Chris Beard's favor. So he's the betting favorite. Yeah, he's not going to get it. We'll he see. can if he wanted to, but he has a big buyout, and Texas takes a better job. So If Texas buys out the $6 million deal and then increases Chris Beard's pay by a million per year, if they're willing to do that, He's probably I still don't think he would do it. I still don't think he would do it. For an additional million dollars? What's his salary right now? Like $7 million a year? 
Because um, once you're making that much, you can't tell me Chris Beard's spending all that money. It's, he, he, I don't think he cares whether it's $7 million or $8 million. It's still a lot of money. He's making $6 million. Okay, then let's say he makes $7 million. $6 million and $7 million, kind of the same thing when you get down to it. They're both a lot of dollars that you're probably not going to spend. Scott Drew is making $2.7 million. All right, give Scott Drew $7 million, see what happens. Bill Self making $7.15. Bob That's Huggins. entirely too much. Uh, Bob Huggins, $3.5 million. Um, yeah. That, that's what it comes... See, I, you search on Google Chris Beard salary, it comes up, and then it shows you all the other Big 12 coaches. There you go. Mike Boynton, also getting a contract extension. Well-deserved, well-deserved. Yeah, definitely well-deserved. He's a really good coach. You know, people can say what they want about it being Cade, but uh, it wasn't just Cade on the team. They're going to be a really good next season. Hopefully the NCAA just drops that ban. And Oklahoma State will be back in the tournament if they don't get banned next season. Yeah. Please don't ban them. Actually, remove postseason bans in general. They're stupid. Just. I agree. Postseason bans are ridiculous. Uh, it changes the. And while we're at it, change the transition period from four years to two years because for uh, D2 and D3 schools transition to D1 because four years is entirely too much. Yeah, and instead of postseason banning teams, here's what we're going to do. We're going to find the crap out of athletic departments. So the NCAA can pay, pay the players. There we go. All the fines, we're going to make it to where if you cheat, you're going to pay a giant fine, and all the fines go to paying uh, – paying – Division one athletes after they're they're out of school. There we go. Yeah. So each division one athlete gets. Let's say you find ten. That's a lot of athletes. That's so each athlete will get like forty bucks. Okay, that's that's not very much money. Yeah, but it it's. Technically, would be paying them. So there we go. Sure, you're not wrong. No. Uh, and as as we're talking, the NCAA is getting roasted in the Supreme Court. So hey, as long as uh, as long as uh, name, image, likeness rights come back, Jordan Bohannon's coming back for his thirteenth year. So you know, I'm in. It should be passed anyways, but if you need more incentive, Jordan Bohannon can come back for his age 28 season. If you need more incentive, uh, the highest paid or the most highly valued NIL athlete uh, in men's basketball is Adrian Nunez. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> TikToks. Yeah, he, he's made more TikToks this year than he has baskets. He's made more TikToks this week than he has baskets. He's – how many points does he even have this year? 
He's averaging like point two a game in like twelve games, I think. I looked this up the other day. Because I was going to tweet about it, but I don't want it to come off as hating on Adrian Nunez. It's not his fault. No. Good TikTok guy. He's going to transfer to, like, Albany next season. and or, or he'll just quit basketball. I don't even know why he still plays basketball. Go get paid for your TikToks. He scored a total of six points this entire season. He might have made more TikToks today than he did uh, points this entire season. But, hey, he's scored six more points than both of us did combined. So, Yeah. In his career, he has scored 53 points. So, And he's a scholarship player. Like, this isn't a walk-on we're talking about. Hey, the, the world needs back-end scholarship players, too. Like, he's on scholarship. Like, man, I feel like I, feel like I would quit basketball if I was in his case and just go get paid. Pro- that probably would be a good idea, but it's neither here nor there. Do do what you want. Yeah, that works too. What if you want to stay on scholarship and make TikToks for no money? Go for it. If you want to get name image likeness money, quitting basketball, go for it. Or you could just wait around because. Probably by the time next year starts, you'll be able to get paid for your TikToks. Yeah, hopefully that works too. So let, let's hope that happens. Let's hope the name image likeness. As for the players, Jordan Bohannon's coming back once again. And uh, yeah. There we go. Well, that will wrap it up for this edition of the Making the Madness podcast. We'll be back with a uh, Final Four preview episode. Uh, we're going to talk. Baylor-Houston, Gonzaga against UCLA, Mick Cronin, the greatest coach in UCLA history. So, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that, but until then, we will be back.